everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. We're here today to talk about some things that we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about, you know, how birthdays get ruined by coronavirus. Yeah, my birthday is coming up this week, but our our last fun day out was March 7th, 2020. It was the weekend after my birthday. We went to go see a play. And that was, I think, the day or the day after we started really hearing about COVID over here. Yeah. And I remember thinking, should we really be going to this play? Is it safe to go? But we really didn't, like, masks weren't even part of the conversation yet, really. So I was like, "Ah, it's probably fine. As far as I know, nobody at at the theater got sick. And then a few days later, the world shut down and we have not left the house for fun since March 7th, 2020. That's not true. We go for walks. I go to work's fun. Yeah, I I wouldn't call walks fun fun. I, I enjoy them, but I wouldn't be like, woohoo, this is fun. It's more of a, thank God I'm out of the house. Yeah. I, do, I did have lots of fun when I was able to ride my bike to work. Oh, I guess I could like ride my bike to the library to pick up stuff now, I guess. That's true. It's nice out. I could. Yeah, we went, we had an 80 degree temperature change uh, over the last week. It went. It wasn't from... even over oh, the course of a week. It was like over the course of three days. Yeah, it was crazy. And it's beautiful out now. But, you know, we lost power as part of those rolling blackouts because it was negative a billion over here. And then we got up to the 70s and now we're back to normal March temperatures. I know this is fascinating to all of you, but, you know, whenever I've traveled and when I've lived other places, people are like, oh, you definitely can't handle our winters and or summers. And I'm like, uh, no, we get all all of the extremes here. We get blizzards. We get 110 degree days. We get everything in between. We get tornadoes, which I'll tell you, I'll take tornadoes over like hurricanes. Or wildfires, because tornadoes are horribly, horribly destructive when they hit, but they hit at least kind of a narrow area where hurricanes and wildfires are like, I'm going to take all of you out. And I mean, if you're stuck where the hurricane is or the wildfire is, there's really nothing you can do but hope you can run fast enough. Where with, uh, with tornadoes, it's like, we have a basement. It'll give us an okay shot. Yeah, we'll be, it's like, eh, it could be worse. Yeah, although like there are there's a problem like schools here don't universally have most of them don't have a downstairs. And I've worked in schools that didn't even have a place in the school that didn't have windows. Seriously, like I've I sat there and they're like, this is our tornado space. It was it was a state that doesn't have a lot of tornadoes, but has them. And we're going to have all the kids sit in this hallway. Now I'm sitting here. I'm the only person on this staff who has experienced tornadoes. And I'm the only person on this staff who has been in a school shooting situation. I've had, when I was a kid, I had a gun brought to a school dance and I were, I, ta- I uh, attended a school that had a big gang problem. These are things that I, I know about. They wouldn't listen to me. I was like, okay, guys, we're putting them in this hallway that has windows on either end. We're creating a wind tunnel. And with all these kids, they like, yeah, we're doing okay with having them, you know, hunker down and have their heads covered. But we need to move them to the one spot in the school that doesn't have windows. And they're like, but there are knives in there. Yeah. What do you think the windows turn into? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I just it's it is hitting like tornado season here. And we we're, we are as well prepared as ever. We've got our binoculars out so we can go outside to look for the tornado. And um, we are keeping our phones charged ish. 
Yeah, well, when we had the weather, I was like, oh, shit, we are like utterly unprepared for this kind of stuff. Now, if you were at all affected by that weather, know that you have weather stuff, you don't tend to think about buying supplies until afterward. And by that time, you either forget to do it entirely or you forget the things you need. So like right now, make that list of stuff you had wished you'd had during that. And if it is feasible to buy them, buy them. Like I bought a uh, car jumper independent charger thing. That can also charge cell phones, and it could even, for a while, run a little space heater if we needed it to. Probably not, not a gas-run space heater. Yeah, this would not run a space heater for long. Oh, this one's a refrigerator. Ooh, damn. Like a, like a little mini fridge. Yeah, oh. I got I got us the good one, man. Ooh, nice. It's not going to run it for days or anything, but you also shouldn't be running a space heater for, for days. So, like, make that list. If you're like, oh, shit, we didn't have batteries, like, order yourself some batteries. If you yeah. wanted one of these chargers, order yourself a charger. If you realize that you needed to have a... And a non-electric can opener, order one of those. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I, I, I love, of course, the best part about all of this, like, disaster is hearing about all those, like, militia, proud boy, survivalist assholes who are utterly unprepared for a blackout. It's like, you guys are tools. Yes. It's like, come on. Just, ugh. So is this our disaster awareness episode? Are we, like, helping people prepare for hurricane and tornado season? And I guess it's always earthquake season. You know, I guess we probably should talk about disaster preparedness at some point. Because, like, you and I, we we grew up in Tornado Alley. We know about tornadoes, but people move here. Yeah. And And if we had to, like, oh, my God, I moved to the East Coast where we had hurricanes. And we had, I'd never even heard of a goddamn derecho until I moved there. And a derecho. She uh she was married to Duras twice. She actually never married Ross the second time. At least not on the show. Okay. But the I moved to DC and the next day a derecho knocked out my power for days. And it was well over a hundred degrees every one of those days. And I lived in a third floor apartment. I spent the whole time crying, saying I wish I'd never moved here. Um so like I guess we probably should at some point talk about like this is how to prepare for disasters in different oh, places. Because I will say, like, you know how we we are incredibly cavalier about tornadoes? Yes. And but people who are in other parts of the country, where are these other things that we're scared of? They're like, I could never live there because tornadoes are so unpredictable. And we're like, OK, that is very true. But it's it's you're fine. <laughs> Mo- but like, I mean, wind blocks can. Yeah. Like there's a reason they don't tend. They do sometimes they don't tend to hit cities that have really big buildings and. Stuff like that. While hurricanes are like, I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to get all of you. It's ridiculous. And of course, the people who move here who are like concerned, like coworkers, like, oh my God, what are we supposed to do with this tornado? It's like, you just go this hallway. But what happens if it hits? It's like, I don't know. It's never happened. We'll either live or we'll die. Those are kind of our options. uh, We we live or we die. That's it. Like there are certain precautions you can take. But like, I remember it was, I think it was the Joplin one where some guy saved the, he was a caretaker for somebody with special needs. And I believe the guy with special needs lived, but he died because he threw a mattress over him and then lied down on top of the mattress. Like there are things you can do um, that won't help you in a, in a hurricane no. <laughs> or a fire and the stuff that blizzards don't scare me uh, because I've dealt with them. But until you deal with something, it really can scare yeah. you if you're not prepared. And it's not like you move to, you know, Florida and they give you a welcome packet that teaches you about hurricanes. And, like, mean- meanwhile, I like every time I go on vacation, I experience a new type of disaster. Like you were here for you've been there for some of them. Like we were in New Orleans and it flooded. Oh, God. Yeah. We went to New Orleans and sandbags. 
Yeah. Like we we know what floods are, but we've and we've gotten, you know, there's some minor flash flooding that happens, mm-hmm. but that was a flood. Yeah. Or like I've been camping and there was a wildfire. I've been earthquakes. I've been to other floods. There's a polar bear that escaped when I was in Duluth. <laughs> And she didn't believe me. And I, I had, still don't. I had believe to him. find the newspaper and show it to you, and I had to do it. I had to do it again because a polar bear escaped while I was in Duluth. I, I was s- living in Lost. I saw a picture of a like posting at a business that was like a polar bear is on the loose. Uh, so when you leave, bring a friend, as if that's gonna save you. So it's somebody, as long as somebody, it's a wrote, somebody wrote the word "slower" in front of friend. <laughs> Because polar bears, man, they're so cute, and they're also gonna eat you. They're also very deadly and large. Yeah, like, there are other bears that will look at you, and unless they've got cubs around, they're probably gonna be like, you don't look very tasty. But polar bears, like, everything is food. Mm-hmm. So, should we get into the episode rather than talking about disasters Natural, yeah. that let's, have not actually happened? Let's end this discussion of disasters and begin an actual disaster, our podcast. Uh, so, believe it or not, my segment is actually, I mean, in theory fairly short this week, but you all know that I can I can talk and these are things that piss me off because they are vocabulary. Oh no. Yeah, um her triggers are grammar and vocabulary. Yes. Uh to a certain extent. Like I I don't get bothered people use poor grammar in texts. I don't get bothered people use some minor poor grammar in like posts on social media. It does bother me when they're trying to prove how smart they are and there is not some kind of language barrier. Passerbys. There is never an excuse for passerbys. Your spell check will catch that. (laughs) There are ones I expect you to not know, like Coles de Sac or even Attorneys General. But passerbys? You learned that in like fifth grade. (laughs) Anyway, uh, today I'm going to talk about two words that I see misused all the time. And they really piss me off when I... Are you seeing a bug? Because I'm seeing a bug. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a bug. I was looking it's for it. It's behind you. We have a... Oh, yeah. We could use some advice. If you have any knowledge... You know that they stink when you kill them like that. Good. I want them, <laughs> I want them to smell the death of their comrades and be afraid. If you have any advice about what to do about those... uh. They're kind of like ladybugs or Japanese beetles or Asian beetles. I've seen them called all these things. We did the vacuum them up and scrub the whole thing and put lemon spray everywhere. Uh, Not lemon, orange spray. Bitches came back. Yeah. And we sealed the window, too. We can't figure out where they're coming in. So if you have any ideas other than, like, lighting the house on fire, which I'm leaning towards at this point. That's your solution to everything. It's like, hey, we're out of Ziploc bags. Burn the house down, Austin. Oh, Oh, God. Can you smell the bug? No. I can smell the bug. I mean, I probably shouldn't say that because if our house ever does like accidentally burn down, they're going to go back to this episode and be like, hey, remember when you said that? And then I can be like, but that was a lie. I was not planning and I, I was not saying let's actually burn down the house. Um, but records show that you on Netflix watched all of Forensic Files before this happened. Very few of those are about arson, though. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so truth and lies. So when you were in school, chances are you had to take true false tests. And you also had to take fact opinion tests. So true false is when you would look at a question and be like, in this year, this happened. True or false. So it was basically this is a fact or it is not a fact. And then you looked at um, fact opinion, which was this is a fact or this is an opinion. Um, But based on the actual definition of truth, it should have been fact or false (laughs) because truth and facts are not the same thing. 
all facts are true, which I mean, true or false is technically fine. I just since it's hard and fast, like a year, I would prefer to it have said fact. All facts are true. Not all truths are factual. So what is truth and what are facts? In simple terms, a fact is something that is verifiably accurate and is accurate whether you like it or not. It happened or it exists, period, end of story, no room for negotiation, except in science as we learn more. Because like, you know, we used to think that you couldn't get smaller than an atom. All evidence pointed to, am am I thinking atom or I thinking cell? You're probably thinking both. Well, you couldn't. You can't get smaller than this one thing. It's not possible. There was no evidence to say that anything was possible. Then we broke it open and there's all kinds of stuff in there. We're like, oh, shit. So now you can't get smaller than these things. Maybe at some point we'll figure out that you can get smaller than those. At the time, that was the that was a fact because it was the all evidence pointed to it. Yeah. Now, we've gotten a little bit better about that because like this is the smallest known. We're like, yeah, we, were, we are wording things better yeah. now. But facts are true whether you like them or not. So we know, like, if something happened in a certain year, that's a fact. Truths can change, and truths are colored by things other than hard evidence. All facts are true, not all truth is factual. So to give an example from my own life, I was, like, bullied as a kid. Bullied, bullied, bullied from literally first grade through, like, eighth grade. When I got to high school, people chilled out. Like high school, like in our, we, we, I think we went to like a magical. Our high school was very chill, but I think that's because a majority of our high school was high all of the time. <laughs> See, not our friend group though. Like, cause no. not my friend group anyway. I don't know about yours, but we had like this magical year. Cause I gather like a couple years after us, it turned into Mean Girls, but in general, like there wasn't this cheerleaders jock situation. I, Everybody I, was kind of chill. I honestly like to blame my sister for it turning into Mean Girls because she is the Regina George of my family. <laughs> the fact that I was bullied is a verifiable fact under the actual definition of bullying. Because bullying, among other things, I'm not going to get into the whole definition of bullying because that's actually something I want to talk about another time. But bullying has to be directed at someone. It has to be repeated. So it can't be somebody being a dick one time. And there has to be an imbalance of power. These kids had more power than I did, either because uh, in some cases, excuse me, because they'd been at the school longer, because the teachers knew their families, because they had more money than me, like whatever the case might have been, there was an imbalance of power. Uh, And usually, though, it was because I was the new kid. And when you got the new kid, you've got no one to defend you. So like if I wanted and I don't even know if there was a law then, but there is a law now. If I had wanted to take these kids to court over their bullying, under the legal definition of bullying, I could have. And the bullying was a fact because we had evidence of it. And we also had people like eventually issuing consequences. Now, if you had asked me, the truth was that these kids were bad people who liked doing bad things and were always making conscious choices intending to hurt me. To me, this was a fact. There was no way to dispute it. And honestly, until I was a lot older, like really until I began working in education, I thought bullies were bad. Now, bullying is bad, but bullies, we actually try to reframe it as uh, kids who exhibit bullying behavior because we don't want them to internalize the title of bully. Most bullies aren't bad people. They are people in bad situations and they are acting out in some way. It could be if you had asked them why they were doing it, it could have been, well, Maddie deserved it. And that would have been a fact to them. Or it could be 
well, this is how my parents act towards me. Is this not how people treat each other? That would have been a fact to them. My truth, their truth, the truth, honestly, both of it was the truth to us, would have been truthful. If we had said that, we would not have been lying. But it wasn't factual. So you can kind of see truth can have some level of subjectivity to it. You are viewing it through your own lens. So truth of the situation, I don't know why those boys were bullying me. I don't. But to the best of my knowledge, when I was then, when I was that age, it's because they were mean. To the best of my knowledge now, I have no fucking clue, but there was something else going on. I think it's... I think it's that they are mean and they are jerks because, you know. Oh, God, I will say I decided 10 years ago to try to look one of them up on Facebook, like the lead bully from when I was eight. And I found him and it was I didn't find him, but I found a first name, last name, meaning him is the coolest, like little fucking fan group. And I did get pissed off about that. <gasps> uh, I don't care what was going on with him. That that made me mad even, you know, 20 years later. But anyway. Truth is factual to the best of your knowledge. It's important to remember the difference between facts and truth when talking to people and speak to them from that perspective. When, like, I'm going to use an example from a big debate that I see right now, which is whether or not people should be able to afford food on minimum wage. There are people who say, Yes, people can absolutely afford healthy food on minimum wage. Then there are people who are like, you people can absolutely not afford healthy food on minimum wage. It is a fact that healthy food, no matter where you are, is harder to afford on minimum wage. It is not a truth universally that either one of those ends is factual. Okay, so it is not a truth universally accepted that... There are no universally accepted truths to speak of, like, at all. Okay. But it is not a fact that zero people can afford healthy food on minimum wage. And it is not a fact that everybody can afford this on minimum wage. There is no absolute fact in this. The fact is that most people cannot afford reliably healthy food. There are statistics saying most people can't do this. So no one... It's hard to kind of clarify without defending anybody here because, believe me, I'm not defending any of the bootstrappers. Oh yeah, they um they can they can they can uh they can they can take their boot and shove it straight up their ass. I don't care. Yeah. So, but when somebody just says this, and they're not saying anything like poor people suck and are lazy, they're just saying, yeah, you can absolutely afford healthy food on minimum wage. They really could be speaking something that they think is true because of their own experience and their own observations. It's reasonable and uh, should be approached, unless, again, they're being dicks in general, with that thought. These people are just saying something they don't realize is inaccurate. And maybe they'll listen. Maybe they won't. But the thing to remember with this is facts, all facts are true, not all truth is facts. So when they're speaking, when anybody is speaking about a topic from their own perspective and are not lying, which I will define in a moment, they believe they're telling the truth. So it's truth is subjective, which is just a pain in the butt to explain to people. Does this mean all truth is subjective? No. Damn it. Uh, Like I said, all facts are true, not all truth is facts. And many people's perceptions of the truth are factual. So if somebody says, this guy called me a bitch, that's both true and a fact. And then they could say, he called me a bitch because he hates me. That is true, but can become a fact if he says, yeah, I called her a bitch because I hate her. So it's not always subjective. Sometimes true and fact are the same thing, even when said through somebody's perspective. They just may not know it's completely factual at the time. And if you ask me, and this is kind of my opinion of it, but if you ask me, 
the more people who are corroborating the truth that somebody is saying, the more likely it is to be a fact. If we look at the Joss Whedon situation, uh, we know Ray Fisher started this a long time ago. And then Charisma Carpenter, though, because she is I think she got more attention. Not saying there's no racism involved because there's racism involved. Uh, But I think part of why she got more attention is because she is more well-known. And so she issued this whole, like, this is what he did to me. And then I believe it's 11 other people have since confirmed that the environment was at least toxic. Some people confirmed exact things that she said, things like that. Now, people are with this are saying, well, there's always two sides to every story. Sure, if there are two people involved... But right now we've got 11 or so people versus zero people because he's not trying to defend himself. Mm-hmm. The more people who are on this one side, I mean, it's like 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Unless their opinions are about our peanut butter and banana sandwiches, a healthy diet. They're not fans. That's just Elvis. Oh. I don't even know if he said it was healthy. He just said it was delicious. And he's not wrong. Uh, that's an opinion, not a fact. Yeah. And that's also another, another interesting thing. Um, because to him, that would be like the absolute truth. This is the best sandwich ever. But it is an opinion because there is actually no real fact involved with it. (laughs) It is so hard to determine the difference between facts and truth. So the thing to remember, facts are verifiable. They can be the information is provable. Truth has facts involved, but the greater story cannot necessarily be proven. There's perception involved. And then this is a personal thing. But I really hate it when people say your truth or their truth. I hate it. To me, that sounds like, oh, well, I believe that you believe. Yeah, it's like their truth feels akin to a, well, I'm sorry, but. Exactly. It's an it has a but attached. (laughs) There you go. I'm so mature. (laughs) Like, why can't you just say your experience? Thank you. Like instead of saying thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you for sharing your experience. Because when you're saying your truth, it's saying, yeah, I believe that you believe this happened, but that wasn't my experience. So I'm not sure that it's real. But when you say thank you for sharing your experience, you are confirming, I believe that you had this experience without saying anything about yourself or making it about you in any way. So when like there are lots of things when somebody says something, we're like, hmm. Not 100% sure that that's factual or truthful, but I do think that they went through something. We can just call it their experience. Stop saying your truth like it's not true to anybody else. Anyway, this brings me to lies. A lie has to involve intent. Period. End of story. You have to be intentionally not telling the truth. If it is unintentional, even if it is not factual, it is not a lie. So, like, earlier this week when I said, yeah, I think we have some chicken breasts left, I wasn't lying. I was just mistaken about the actual state of our refrigerator. You also said, I think, though. That's a big difference. Okay. Yeah. For something to be a lie, you also can't say, I think, really. Because that's saying, I'm not sure. But if you are saying, like, we have chicken breasts. I know we have chicken breasts. As long as you believed we had chicken breasts, you weren't lying. It's just wrong. When someone says something untruthful, it's important to look at why they said it. Why did they make this statement? Was it a lie, which means they gained something from it? Were they ignorant? When I I hate how we must use the word ignorant. Ignorant just means you don't know something. Stop using it as a fucking insult. And or uh, or was it a mistake? Now, as for why people lie, there are many, many reasons. And yes, there is something to 
gain from it each time, but it's not always some kind of big, big gain. It's just there's a benefit to it. So, And not all of them are out of malice either. You're not always lying to hurt somebody. Some some of the reasons include avoiding punishment, the one that we usually used as a kid. It's like, I didn't do that. Yeah, it was my sister. It was my brother. It was, it like was the that. dog. It was the it was, ghost. It was like that when I got here. Uh, we watched you break it. It was like that when I got here. <laughs> uh, avoiding protection or protecting someone else from punishment. Now, usually it was trying to get my sister in trouble instead of me. Yeah, but we've also like... Oh my God, I was the Regina George of our family. Whoa. Getting out of an awkward situation. The whole, oh, look at the time. Got a jet. It's like, you know... Got an appointment. uh, Yeah, this uh, place closes. We got to go now. Yeah, getting out of an awkward situation. Trying to not seem stupid or or ignorant. People are talking about something you don't know and they ask you to chime in. And sometimes you just don't want to be like, I don't know, because it feels like everybody else knows. So you just make something up and hope that it hope that it works. Just say something else that's unrelated, but also true. A desire for control, especially in abusive relationships, whether that be a intimate relationship, a familial relationship, a working relationship or a friendship. To get someone else in trouble, Austin. To hurt someone's feelings or to make someone feel good. Like, oh, I love your new haircut, even when it like, looks super whack. Wait, did you not love my new haircut? I cut your hair, so... Are, are you saying that mullets aren't a thing anymore? My I... long, luxurious mullet hanging down past my shoulders? I would never, ever cut your hair into a mullet. If I was real pissed at you, I would do a rat tail. Joke's on you. Rat tails were awesome. Uh, Yeah. Austin had a rat tail and an earring. Yeah, I was the coolest sixth grader. I also had like the little like lines shaved in the side of my head. Yes, which were cool for white guys back then, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's it was like I'm not saying I'll first say, grade Austin made good decisions. I'll say white guys cannot pull that off. No, we can't. Um, and then obviously personal gain, like lying on a resume to get a better job, because okay, guys, don't do that. A lot of places will check. And then if you're looking for something in a niche field, they'll be like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to call the other places around here and tell them that you didn't actually work for this long or attend school or whatever. Uh, Don't lie on your resume. Just be awesome and you might have a chance. Wait, you're saying they didn't invent the things that go on the end of shoelaces? What are those? There's a word for those. Aglets. Aren't aglets the, the holes? Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, the list goes on and on. You could, There are billions of reasons to lie. I think the holes are gimlets. But we love to accuse people of lying when they just made a mistake or just were ignorant. And I have a huge problem with this. Lying is intentional. Calling someone a liar when what they said was not intentionally untrue is gatekeeping. And I know that's a buzzword and I, I hate these kind of buzzwords too, but it's, it is. Um, because it's saying... You're a bad person, and I'm not going to try to help you. And no one should because you're a liar. Assume positive intent. Just assume it, unless they give you a reason not to. Like, say, for instance, when Miracle Max would not help Wesley, even though he knew it was true love. It was to blave, which means to bluff, Austin. (laughs) So, like, there are misspeaks. 
in which we just like we need to get the fuck over these because like that is one thing they love to say this politician lied in their speech when instead it was just like this event which happened in 1998 and then it actually happened in 1999 Mm -hmm. and it was just they forgot something or they misspoke like they lied or they got a number wrong actually it was 50 million yeah uh, they say million instead of thousand like whatever it might be if someone calls them on it, they're like, oh, shit, I'm like, you're right. They weren't lying. Now, if they try to defend it, then they were lying. Yeah. My, my screen just changed to dark mode for no reason. <laughs> um, and it, it zipped back to the beginning. Oh, no. Telling you guys. Ghosts. Ghosts. Then they're the ones that come from ignorance. And I'm not talking willful ignorance. Willful ignorance does exist. It is what you do when you have been given the opportunity and information to help you learn and have chosen to either not use it or have read it and decided it was wrong, even though it was verifiably factual. J.K. Rowling. I'm talking about true ignorance, which is when we don't know something and you don't know what you don't know. And that's a really confusing statement, which basically means not only do you not know this information, you don't know that you don't know this information. Yeah. Um, it's like, you don't know that there's a like a gap. You don't even know there's a gap in your information. It's like, I had no idea this existed. Yeah, exactly. Which has been like half of this podcast for us. Mm, exactly. That actually, I actually talk about that. Like ignorance. That's my next sentence. Ignorance is why we started this podcast. <laughs> because Austin would say something and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And it was something I should have learned in school. And then the same thing would happen with Austin, or we would both realize that we had been talking about something completely incorrectly because we learned something new. And ignorance, when you start to realize you're ignorant, that's the best way to grow. But if you look at somebody and say, fuck you for your ignorance, they're going to start thinking, wow, people are really mean. So I guess I should just bow out of this conversation and never learn about it. Then they like turn on themselves and they like being ignorant becomes a point of pride. It's not for everybody, but for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, um, the Q and the entire QAnon sphere. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a really interesting one, though. Some of them know they're lying. Some of them believe this is the truth. I actually had a thing about QAnon in here that I say, you know what? I'm fucking done with them for the moment. I don't need to give them attention at the moment. I think it's an important thing to learn about. Not today. Yeah. Not today, Satan. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, ignorance. We don't get mad when you got a preschooler who, who says to another preschooler, well, everybody has a mommy and a daddy. We don't get mad at them because they don't know that some people have one parent or some people have two mommies or two daddies or two theydies, whatever, whatever they decide to be called. They they have been raised by a polycule that found them on a doorstep. Like these kids, they don't know. And we don't get mad at them for not knowing unless they're also saying, and you're bad because well, you shouldn't even get mad at them. We should get mad at their parents. But when an adult not even not says that because they should fucking know better but an adult says something out of pure ignorance we act like they're the worst person on earth we see this a lot like i'm a big fan of okay boomer but there are sometimes where you should look at it and be like mm, they literally just might not know like the the big one that i saw recently and by recently i mean like over a year ago was they can't be used as a singular why shouldn't they think that's true? Because you and I were raised. No, with... we were we were very specifically taught that in English class. Yeah, they were like, absolutely not. You are never to use they as true. And then people who I, I think my teacher said it's like now it's com it's acceptable in like you know the vernacular to use yeah. they. Yeah, but it's don't 
write it in a paper. Exactly. And then so people who were older than us were, were had that drilled into their head and drilled into their head. And they and I mean, obviously, they're the ones who are like, and we need to stop catering to these people. But a lot of them were like, I don't know what to do when I'm writing now. And people were like, you're ignorant and you're transphobic. And some of them were like, no, I'm literally just asking what to do when I'm writing now because I don't know how to do this. And it feels very wrong to me grammatically. And they could have used at least some resources. I'm not asking everybody to do emotional labor for them. Just be like, oh, here's some information about the grammar or scroll past. Mm -hmm. Nobody should have to do it. Nobody's forcing you to do this emotional yeah, just, labor. Just, just scroll past. Um, and That's great. By the way, uh, great advice. Not really the topic. It's just scroll past. Yeah. And I'm sure some of you are listening to me going, well, you're speaking from some points of privilege. We are, but we don't have all of the privileges you might assume we do. We just don't talk about all of our lives on this podcast. Yeah. Like we haven't mentioned our struggles with the bears in the backyard that I brought in thinking they would take care of the badger problem. Well, like, but they, now we have a bear problem and I have to wrestle bears in the morning. Like a few episodes, like I breezed past the whole like uh, I'm the target audience for trigger warnings and I just breezed past it because it's to me it's not it's not anybody's business. But so, yeah, there is emotional labor that I have had to be involved with and I can choose whether or not to be involved. And usually it's just, oh, here's some information. And I move on with my day. And if they choose to get pissy, I just leave because they are now choosing to be ignorant and I don't want to deal with them. Oh, no. uh, okay, that's a bit of a tangent. Um, so if you believe something is truthful, you are not lying. You are just misinformed or ignorant or whatever. Like Austin and I yesterday, Austin's going to be very excited because I told him I wrote in here, Austin can celebrate that I was wrong about something. Okay, this happens for me like once a year and you're going to get to witness me being right and... Okay, I know that it's your birthday coming up, but I am the person who got a gift today. Now, I'm a little nervous because when I say stuff like this, sometimes they die immediately afterwards and it's my fault. Austin and I were talking about the Mary Poppins cast, and I said that Glennis Johns, who played Mrs. Banks, is dead. She is not. She is 97 years old and still very much alive. Oh, okay. And Wait. I was insistent that she was that she was dead, and I didn't look it up. Now, what happened last time I did that? I killed Charles Manson. You did kill Charles Manson. She did not kill Charles Manson, but he did die after she thought, I bet Charles Manson's dead. No, I said, is Charles Manson dead? Yeah, Charles Manson is dead. He's absolutely dead. I'm not even going to look it up. And I actually think it was around the exact time that he died because the news came out like a couple hours later. Okay, we need to figure out. Oh, it's like. That's so, like Glennis Johns, I hope you're okay. I loved you and Mary Poppins. Please don't die. I also, also kind of hope that like, if this is a superpower, we can continue to use it for good. I've got a list for you later. So, like, if I if I had said that on the internet without verifying, and I, I really do try to always double check something before I post it. Like, I got accused of lying the other day about Nicolas Cage. Never, I, I said, oh, yeah, Nick Nick Cage uh, owned the LaLaurie Mansion for a while. And I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, and somebody's like, no, he never owned it. He never owned that. I'm like, should I cite my sources or should I just ignore this person because it's so easily easily Googleable? Mm -hmm. Now, burden of proof is on the prosecution, and so it was my job to post it, but it was a uh, chat thread as opposed to like a Facebook post, so I didn't bother. But yes, he did. It was bought by a bank a few years ago because he could no longer afford it. Um, I was accused of lying about this thing. I'm like, no, I actually verified before I typed this in. But if I hadn't, somebody accusing me of lying will piss me off and make me not want to interact with that person anymore or uh, anything like that, which brings it to the gatekeeping thing. Now, that's not really gatekeeping. There is no gatekeeping if I get a celebrity fact wrong. 
But when somebody gets a major societal fact wrong and they're not putting anything around it that makes you think that they're doing it because they're a dick, and you know what I'm talking about. We talked a little bit about the boomers a second ago. It's gatekeeping by telling them they're a liar, they're spreading misinformation, they are hurting everybody with these things. Because it's saying, and we're not going to help you, and you don't deserve to have this information because you haven't bothered to look it up. I've even seen it on, I don't understand this. Can someone give me a resource to help me understand? And they're like, why should we have to give you a resource? And they've said, I don't know where to start. I don't even know what keywords to type in. I don't like, I don't use the, inf- the, the words. Like I wasn't raised using the words that are used now. It's your job. Yeah, and, like- and, like, and they're like, and you're making, you're spreading this information now by asking these things. It's like, they asked to learn. They yeah, asked I- to learn. <laughs> Let's bring it up because it's come up recently with Mr. Potato Head of all of all of all figures. Okay, no, that's bullshit though. Because I looked it up, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head still exist. They are. It's not one potato with all the different add-ons. It's two potatoes, one with traditionally male things, one with traditionally female things. They are still Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, and it's still in small print on both of them. Huh. Anyway, I was about this. It is very difficult to get into the pronoun conversation without a like very lengthy set of like facts that might be new to you. And you mm-hmm. if you get any of them wrong on the internet, it is very easy for someone to go after you as transphobic or just anything. Mm-hmm. It's hard to learn these facts. It is not easy to understand this immediately out of the gate. Yeah, Austin and I were raised to accept everybody around us. But acceptance isn't far enough. Uh, just like, you know, our parents' generation was raised to be colorblind, and they were told that was en- was enough. So it was a transition for that generation to move into acceptance. It is a transition for our generation to move in, not in from, from acceptance to activism, I think would be the right word for yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, when somebody is being blatantly transphobic, call like, deal with it. Fucking, no, I don't mean deal with it as, like, you deal with it. I mean, deal with them. It's like, hey, you might not be aware that what you're saying is hurtful for these reasons. Yeah. And if they continue to push it and be like, well, fuck them, then report them to whoever you need to. Like, if it's in a Facebook group, just do hashtag admin because that can get Facebook group shut down. Yeah. But they these, these are people who don't want to learn. Um, but don't give them a reason to get defensive off the bat because that is telling them we don't want you to be one of our activists. And some people you don't. You don't. And those are the ones that you should report. But okay, I'm so I'm actually going to talk about something that's a big issue, but the trans issue is so big and in depth that I could go on for days about it. So I'm going on something that's a little bit, little bit simpler, which is um, access to healthy food, like I mentioned earlier, Uh, and food deserts. Food deserts are places where most people live far away from a grocery store and where these they have high poverty rates. The stores often charge high prices for food. And frequently, you either there either is no public transit or the tra- public transit is not a convenient way to go. So we're in Kansas. We bought groceries yesterday. Yes. We bought a five-pound bag of potatoes. It was $2.50. I actually went to a grocery store's website in Boston, found the same type of potatoes at a five-pound bag, and it was $5. That is double the price of Kansas potatoes. When I lived in Boston, and this is at a grocery store, there are not that many grocery stores there. You have to go outside of Boston to get to a grocery store. There are little markets. When I lived there, if I needed something quickly, my only option was a bodega that sold an individual apple for $2. Here, an apple, 50 to 89 cents. Yeah. I think that's per pound even. Yeah, it's apples are cheap. So are potatoes. Yeah, so an individual here. apple cost more than like five apples here. 
Um, a full grocery trip in Boston was a half-day event where the food was slightly cheaper than the bodega, but we had to rent a car if we wanted to get more than a few days worth of groceries because we had to bring it on public transit. So probably easier you are, now that there's Uber. Yes, it probably is easier than now that there's Uber. But even then, that's, ex- that's for it to cheap. be a food desert in an urban area, you have to be more than a mile away from a grocery store. Not you personally, but the average person has to be more than a mile away from a grocery store. And on the T, it took me an hour and a half to get to the nearest Target. So it was, and it was at least a thirty-minute drive to the nearest grocery store. Ooh. Um. So, and here it takes us five minutes. We can walk to the grocery store if we want yeah. to. We have multiple grocery stores that are an easy option for us. Yes. Including an Aldi, which is the best. And that's not where we got these potatoes from. They would have been cheaper at Aldi. Yeah. So a living wage in Massachusetts is $17.74. I am not talking about minimum wage, which is actually, compared to other parts of the country, pretty high. But living wage, Massachusetts, seventeen seventy four for one adult with no children. A living wage in Kansas is fourteen seventy. Or Kansas City specifically, not Kansas, but our area. Kansas, you live in Western Kansas, it's lower. Is fourteen dollars and seventy four cents for an adult with no children. Neither of these is our minimum wages. But if you have the living wage in Massachusetts, it would take you. I did math, guys. It would take you seventeen minutes to earn enough money to buy a bag of potatoes. In Kansas, it would take you 10 minutes to buy a bag of potatoes. So you have to work more hours to get the same thing, and you have to take more time out of your day to get the same thing. We are lucky, too, because Austin and I can afford to order groceries for delivery. When I lived in Boston, there was no fucking way I could have afforded that. And not because not only are you paying for these groceries, which they are literally cost double what they do here, but you also have to pay delivery and you have to pay the tip. So, yeah, you can get the groceries faster, but you're paying more than you can afford. But if you're going to the grocery store and you're an hourly worker, you can't take those hours to go to the grocery store. So you go to the bodega around the corner, you look at the $2 apple, or you look at the five packages of ramen you can get. Which one are you going to get when you are a low-income person like I was when I lived there and ate mostly macaroni and cheese? Yeah, and uh, another fact related to food deserts is, uh, you know one of the fastest growing grocery store chains in America is? Hmm. Uh, Dollar Tree and Dollar General. I've they gotten do, good groceries. They do not sell fresh produce at either of those locations. No, and people think, well, you can just go to Walmart. They're everywhere. Our nearest Walmart has no fresh produce. Yeah. Um. So you might be thinking, like, okay, why the why are you talking about this when we're talking about truth and lies? Well, when someone says it's totally possible to afford fresh and healthy food, they are called liars, and so they get defensive. Now there are assholes out there who have been taught about the cycle of poverty who do know that these food deserts exist, but they believe so strongly in the bootstraps idea. And when you see them, you say, hello, Senator Cruz. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, well, you say, hello, Senator Cruz, you asshole. But, you know, it's... Um, but if we're talking about somebody who has always lived in Kansas and has never actually had, never done more than a vacation in one of these cities, where when you go on vacation, you expect to spend lots of money because you're going to restaurants, you're not going to the grocery store. Yeah. They may legitimately think that this is possible. Now, again, like we said, just because you're making $14.74 an hour, and that's the living wage here, for some people, it might be possible to buy the healthy food. For other people, it may not be possible to buy the healthy food. There are so many factors that go into living wage just has to do with traditional cost of living. 
It does not have to do with whether or not you have health problems, whether or not you have student loans, yeah. whether or not you have, like, there's so it's much to it. It's a very broad thing that does not take into any, like, a lot of specifics into fact. To factor. So when somebody says this thing without anything else around it making you think that they're an asshole, chances are they think what they're saying is the truth. They are not lying. They are not intentionally mis uh, spreading misinformation. They believe it's the truth. And there are ways to approach them that are not attacking. Because if you attack somebody, they're, they're immediately going to go, well, fuck you. I'm, yeah, they, I'm shut down. I'm not to, listening. Yeah, they will get defensive and dig in. But if you go from an anecdote because i actually i research this kind of thing as as part of what i do um anecdotes work better than statistics because people can't visualize statistics statistics can be used to back up the anecdotes they that's why photos work better than like just telling someone's story they want to see the photos if they can't put a person with what you're saying it's hard for them to wrap their heads around now if they start like well fuck you i could do it then you're like oh you know what whatever bye <laughs> um now so I know that was a lot, and we went on some rants. I always do. But here we go. There is one last important thing I want to talk about that incorporates facts, truth, and lies all together, and that is perjury. <gasps> yes! Perjury is lying under oath using the accurate, factual definition of lying, which means you know what you're saying is untrue and you are saying it with the intent to spread misinformation for some reason. According to criminaljusticelawyer.com, though, false testimony that results from confusion, lapse of memory, or mistake is not perjury. So you can tell something that is not true under oath if you did not know it was untrue. And that makes perjury very, 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 very complicated. That is also why they say you have to tell the truth and not the facts. Because most people who are telling the truth are not going to get all the facts right. For instance, if you say, I saw them leave their house at 630, but there is a camera showing them leave their house at seven at 642, unless they see you out there with your with your watch and watching them, you probably believed it was 630. And unless you are saying this knowing it was 642 and knowing that saying it was 630 would mess up the timeline for the crime, you didn't commit perjury. You just said what you thought was accurate. Eyewitnesses are the worst kind of evidence. Now, photographs, pretty good. If they have their camera with them, pretty damn good. But eyewitnesses alone, worst kind of evidence. Even if you've got a Sheldon Cooper who remembers everything, worst kind of evidence because it is always slightly colored by your perceptions. Oh my, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to imagine Sheldon Cooper as a witness in a trial and it's just making me mad. It is incredibly hard to prove perjury because you as the prosecutor have to prove that the person knew it was false and that they were trying to mislead whoever was making the final decisions. So you have to look at what they have to gain. It's like, okay, we know that what they're saying is not true. What would be the benefit to them not telling the truth? If you can't find a benefit, chances are they knew it was the truth and it's time to stop just investigating it. Now, if you're looking going, okay, you know, there's something they could gain. Like, for instance, there was a case years ago where a dude was up on murder charges. He was exonerated and then they found photographs of him committing the crime. Now, if you're in the UK, I believe that you are allowed to retry them when you have this damning new evidence come back up. In the States, we can't because that's double jeopardy. And trying somebody twice for the same crime, even if it's now provable, he could literally have walked out of the courtroom when he was exonerated, done a press conference and said, I did it, bitches. And he was free. 
There was no way to try him again, except he perjured himself by saying he didn't do it. And perjury is not part of your original trial. So they brought him up on perjury charges and he got the maximum sentence for perjury, which I believe was seven years. And then he died a horrible, horrible death by falling onto a glass coffee table. And since nobody loved him, they didn't find him for a while. That was dark. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I'm not going into the details of what he did to that poor woman, but fuck that guy. So you still have to be able to prove that they were intentionally lying, not just misremembering things. This means that you have to find the evidence that they knew they were lying, such as text messages or emails. Even somebody just saying, oh, by the way, he told me this. That's circumstantial. That's hearsay. That's them potentially lying as well, because until they're under oath, they can say whatever the fuck they want. So that's not really evidence. It gives you a reason to look further, but not evidence. And if whatever they lied about has nothing to do with the case at all. So if you are sitting there on a jury trial for murder and you yell, I'm a space alien. And you're like just a witness. You're not the, you're not the person on trial because that could be relevant. And they're like, okay, great. This has nothing to do with aliens. Then INS comes and picks you up for the, being a space alien. That's not perjury because what you lied about has nothing to do with the trial. And unless they can connect it to affecting the outcome of the trial, which I guess that technically could because they could think this witness is now unreliable. Mm -hmm. So I guess something more accurate would be like, oh, well, my iPhone at the time was pink and they were like this and it was an iPhone 5. Like, okay, that's great, but this trial has nothing to do with iPhones and you were not talking to you about anything that had to do with a phone. Shut up. I um I am contractually obligated to talk about iPhones yeah. at every deposition. Yeah, something like that. If it had nothing to do with the trial and could in no way affect the outcome, you didn't commit perjury. If you said something that was untrue and you knew it was untrue, but there was no way for it to affect the outcome, even if it was relevant, it's not necessarily perjury. However, if it could have affected the outcome and you understood it could affect the outcome, whether or not it affected the outcome, it could be perjury. So it can both be perjury and not perjury. Perjury is very hard to prove. That's why they don't typically prosecute for it. But you should still not commit it because it could end really badly for you. And I have been under oath. It is scary as fuck. I can understand why you might want to be like, I went out of this awkward situation. Oh, look, my, my Uber is here. Mm -hmm. But... <laughs> Uh, can't Don't talk going into a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I should have tried that. Can't talk going into a tunnel. Hit under my thing. Um, don't do it. It's not worth it. And it was really funny to watch the other person lie under oath because my lawyer caught them. It was funny. <laughs> but that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. <sighs> so, in summary, facts are truth. Truth isn't necessarily facts. When we are colloquially and incorrectly using the word lies... Lies are not facts, but can be the truth. And lies must be, must have intent and not just be confusion or misspeaking. The end. So concise. I see why. We, I, I don't understand why we never learned this. Yeah. So true. Now, it is interesting. True versus truth are slightly different things. That's a whole other issue. But yeah, truth. Facts are always true. Truth is not always factual. Lies have to have intent. That is the simplest way to put it. So stop accusing people of things until you know what's going on. And yep. use words correctly. Otherwise, you look like a dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> you ready for some questions? I'm ready for questions. Will this be on the test? Facts are always truth, but truth isn't always facts. Yes. Opinions can be truthful, but not factual. Yes. Lies have to have intent. Uh, it depends on the grade. Like it's hard. It would be hard to explain that to a first grader. 
But like anyone like middle school and above should. I, get I that. think you can understand uh, a first grader can understand it because it's when you ask them why did you not tell the truth they have an answer. Uh, when they say I don't know, it's basically y'all can. Do you want to try that again? Because they always know why they did it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, perjury has to be both intentional and relevant. Yes, that should be on the test. And so that is truth, lies, and facts. And we ranted, rambled a lot, but I think it was largely related to the topic. As, as on the topic as we get. We don't do on the topic. This is on the test, not on the topic. Yeah. Thank God it's not an essay test. <laughs> <laughs> this would, we would have failed this essay test. Mm-hmm. Like our, like some English teacher would have found us by now and hand delivered a letter saying that our podcast failed the essay test. Hey, I'm a former English teacher and I can call this a reasonably solid brainstorming session. You know what? That's the best way to describe what we do. I would describe us as chaos constrained by a loose story structure. So a brainstorming session. Yeah. So are you ready for my subject? I am. I'm just making sure that wasn't my phone that buzzed. Oh, I think that was my phone. I should probably turn that off. It was not my phone. Cats are probably freaking out downstairs, though. They got 20 minutes until food time, so oh. obviously they've all started yeah, that's to death. Another reason we are doing this now is because cats start bugging us real early for food now, and if we're locked away in the pod closet, they can't yell at us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my subject, in a strange turn of events, I'm actually going to talk about something that's relevant instead of something that happened a thousand years ago that nobody cares about. So I'm going to talk about air pollution. And first of all, it affects all of us. Air quality has a much higher impact on your health than you realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has huge impacts beyond global warming. Mm-hmm. And we have literally thousands of years of data on it. Remember when the lockdowns first started and they could immediately tell, like, visually that we were already starting to fix the ozone layer in that short amount of time? Yeah. And then we were like, oh, this is boring. And we went back to destroying it again. Yeah. So... This is a much older problem than people think, because the first uh, accounts we have of air pollution come from ancient Rome. The Romans knew it was up. Yeah. Uh, they they call truth and facts. They would, except they'd probably call it veritas and something else. Oh. Factoris. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, my Latin. I'm, I'm bad at Latin. So here, let me call... Let, speaking of Latin, let me mention some Latin phrases. Uh, they called uh, air pollution gravoris caeli, or heavy heaven. And infamous air or infamous air. So uh, actually Seneca, the statesman and like, you know, orator wrote about it in 61 AD. Uh, no sooner had I left the oppressive atmosphere of the city and that reek of smoking cookers, which pour out a along with clouds of ashes, all the poisonous fumes they've accumulated in their interiors whenever they're started up, then I noticed the change in my condition. So he said, there's so much wood smoke and cooking and like just smoke in Rome. I feel better when I'm not in Rome breathing cleaner air. And this was like, they had a big problem with it. Like there were civil suits about it. Like a cheesemaker was ordered to stop making cheese because the, the smoke from his bottom store, bottom floor cheese shop was floating up through everyone else's like houses, and they were ordered to stop making cheese at the bottom floor with open cookers and stoves just pouring smoke up through the house. And it even got bad enough that the Emperor Justinian had to crack down on it in 535 Common Era. Uh, he proclaimed clean air was a right, the same as clean water and food, because it was just so much wood smoke and 
smoke and odors. Like, we need to do something about how smoky the city is. And also, the Romans burned so much wood, they actually had a measurable effect on the on the on climate. Uh, they was about things got about 0.3 degrees colder. It's because they were burning wood, and wood ash in the atmosphere actually reflects sunlight back. So there was so much wood ash from the Romans that it got colder. And they also raised the atmospheric lead levels 10 times higher than the background level just by their industry and making stuff. So even back then, we could affect climate and we could affect like lead levels and toxicity and stuff. I want to jump in with something, but you might be covering it here. Go ahead. Jump in. It's kind of like uh, later on when we had tuberculosis as a big thing. Are you going to talk about tuberculosis? I'm not going to talk about tuberculosis. Um, Tuberculosis, they were like, okay, the best cure for it is for you to go into the mountains or the you know wilderness in some way so you get the good air which i actually yeah. almost talked about this week i almost Ooh. talked about that so excellent man we could so every every once in a while we theme our podcasts together completely by accident and you we just barely missed it this time yeah i was i started to like look at snake oil which i feel like one of us has covered but maybe we haven't i think we've covered like some snake oil salesmen there's so much so much flim flam <laughs> i love that phrase so yeah but now I'm going to switch focus from Rome because there's centuries of, yeah, we could tell that, you know, the silver production and the the silver production released a lot of lead into the air or this city was burning so much wood that this happened and there's all these bad smells. I'm going to switch focus from this to a place where geography and industry and a very high population density kind of collided to make air pollution worse than it had been anywhere else ever. I'm going to talk about London. Now, uh, the area where London is, is prone to like uh, temperature inversions, where uh, instead of usually how warm air likes to rise above cold air, these inversions happen when there's cold air keeping warm air kind of trapped in a bubble. Isn't that kind of what causes tornadoes or is yeah. it when fronts hit each other? It's when fronts hit each other. But this yeah. is like a weather con- where it basically gets kind of stagnant and the smoke and stuff or what like fog isn't able to really disperse as well because it's trapped underneath this layer. So it kind of like makes a weird little atmospheric bubble mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, so that's why uh, in London, especially in the winter, they get they would get lots of fogs and like, you know, they'd just be kind of gloomy and gross and foggy. That's why they'd get those. It's just they're in a spot where this happens for a huge variety of reasons that I do not have the meteorology degree to understand. So you're saying that London fogs are because of air pollution. Yes, they are. So should we be talking to all of our friends over at ATWWD or That's Why We Drink because about their London fog air pollution? We are both drinking London fogs right now. That's true. I, I made <laughs> uh, I made London fogs before this because it's like, you know what? I'm going to have a themed drink for my part of this. Yes. Uh, I was listening to And That's Why We Drink. Uh, M was talking about their love of London fog lattes. And I was like, oh, damn, because I'd forgotten about them. That might have like that might have been part of what like put this in my brain. So yeah, if you can ever get a London Fog latte, do so. They're good. I like them. It's uh, steamed milk, Earl Grey tea, and some sugar and a splash of vanilla. And it de- it depends where you get it. Some, yeah. some places do it a little differently. Although I've heard that places are starting to sell out because of you know M's. What are they? I think they're calling it a cult at this point. Hey, <laughs> <Yay! laughs> I love cults. So yeah. Um. By the way, uh, we do have some uh, bags of Earl Grey tea. So I guess that's our Patreon stretch start, goal. We could start selling it on the black market. Yeah. No. Just our bags of Earl Grey tea. <laughs> if, we don't have the latte mix. Start. No. We'll start a Patreon, and our fifty dollar tier is we'll send them a tea bag. Oh, dude! Though I saw on online that you know they sell these 
boxes of Earl Grey tea latte that you can ice, Ooh. which sounds really good. It is the one serving is the equivalent of six cups of coffee or something. Hot damn, I love it. Okay, so yeah, in in London, people started burning coal for cooking and heat around uh, 1200 CE. They were burning something they called sea coal, which was when coal from like underneath the sea would float up and wash to the shore and they could gather it and burn it. It was smoky and gross. So is it like undersea volcanoes that caused it or what? No, it's just uh, like, just like, you know how like coal is under the ground and like in the ocean stuff erodes away. Well, eventually chunks of coal would erode away from deep under the sea, float to the surface and get washed up on the shore. I think I'm just figuring out that I don't know how coal gets made. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coal is was made uh, way, way back in the past uh, where we had trees, but we didn't have bacteria that could break down trees. So it was just like tree branches and crap was building up for years and years and years. And eventually it got covered by dirt and moved into like a layer where it got compressed and like metamorphosed into coal. I understand none of that. Go on. Yep. Okay. So they started burning coal around then and people complained about it almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, there are records of numerous kings and queens fleeing London to escape from the fumes, trying to ban coal from being burned around them, and trying to force Parliament to take action about all of this coal nonsense. So we used to not like coal, and now that people are taking action on coal, we're pissed but about we it. we still don't like coal, and we should not like coal. And even, like, I think it was King James was the first one to allow coal burning in the palace, but he refused to allow the local coal. He needed the Scottish coal because it burned cleaner and didn't create as much smoke. So they'd import coal from Scotland to heat the palace. My people know what's up. Yeah, the Scottish have better coal. And and because of deforestation, uh, London, there was no way to get everyone enough wood for cooking and heating because they would all the trees were gone. They'd been cut down for various reasons. So the only way they could really heat stuff was by mining coal nearby and bringing it in. There was not enough wood for London to cook and heat their houses. So they just continued to use coal, even though no one liked it. <laughs> there are so many things like that. Like, nobody likes this, but it's just what we're used to. It beats freezing to death and having, I don't know, cold boiled mush, London. It's like I'm trying to think of an example right now. Facebook. Carpets. Like, we all, like, you and I grew up when you had carpets. Everybody had carpet. And then now people our age are pulling it up and going, oh, shit, there's hardwood underneath it. But a lot of them are recovering it up because they're like, I don't know how to maintain hardwood. Yeah. So, yeah. After, then, after the engine of the, uh, and then, after the invention of the steam engine, things went into overdrive. Because not only was coal easier to mine because they could use these steam engines to pump water out of mines and they could mine things faster. They weren't using coal engines to mine the coal? Yeah, they were using coal engines to mine coal. No, you said they were using steam engines. Steam engines are powered by coal. Oh, Okay. And then, uh, because they were used in industry, there was more demand for coal, and more coal was being burned for manufacturing stuff, so the demand just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And then the real London fogs started. Not the tea drinks, but, like, the classic London fogs you hear about, that Dickens wrote about being oppressive and horrible. The pea soup fogs that were that kind of yellowish-greenish color that would just cover everything, and you couldn't see ten feet in front of your face. Isn't that kind of what causes acid rain? Yes, it is. I'm getting into it. Okay. So the extra particulates in the air from all of this burning of coal made the fogs thicker because there's more for the moisture to kind of like cling to and wrap around. And they became more common and more oppressive. So not only did this burning coal make the fogs, it made them worse. And people's health was impacted because the coal they burned contained a lot of sulfur. It was lignite coal, which is a different type of coal than anthracite, which is what we use now. 
Wait There's... a second. Wait a second. Could all of this make people hallucinate? Probably, yeah. Because of like the the low air quality. Uh huh. Do you think that's why people associate demons with the smell of coal? Because they were hallucinating demons. Oh yeah. So uh, so when they would burn this coal with lots of sulfur, it created sulfur dioxide, which is toxic. And when it combines with water, it forms sulfuric acid, which water like the fog that was around London during these times. So people were breathing in sulfuric acid vapors from burning this coal, which would damage your lungs and your organs. And by the way, this this is the same high sulfur coal that caused acid rain that we heard about back in the 90s. Yeah, remember remember thinking like when we were kids that acid rain was actually going to be a real big problem for our entire lives? Yeah. Boy, and like, like the ozone layer, it's like, oh shit, let's fix this problem. And he actually did. Because we used to be able to fix these problems instead of bowing to coal industries. I had a neighbor kid who insisted that he had had acid rain fall on him once and it turned his shirt yellow. But this kid would also like kill bugs, like lightning bugs, and smear them across things. I'm reasonably certain he murdered somebody when he got older. Not by any evidence, just based on the things he would talk about. Yeah. So in addition to acid rain and acid, uh, the coal burning would release carbon monoxide. Now, when you breathe in carbon monoxide, it enters your bloodstream and bonds to the hemoglobin in your blood cells, which is what carries oxygen to the rest of your body. And this presents you from getting enough oxygen to your cells, which can make you lightheaded and can make you hallucinate. Mm -hmm. And of course, in addition to all, and you can even die from carbon monoxide. Oh, yeah. Asphyxiate very easily from a very small amount of carbon monoxide. And there was so much coal burning. There was a lot of carbon monoxide in the air. There was an this. episode of like House where they figured out it was carbon monoxide poisoning because the cat took longer to die than the lady did because the cat just kept going higher and higher on shelves in the house because oh. carbon monoxide, or maybe it was lower on the house. I can't remember if carbon monoxide goes down or up. I don't remember either. But either way, the cat survived because it was able to get out of the way for longer. I think longer. it would go down because... It didn't survive, but yeah. it, it made yeah. it longer. Then there was all of the soot and other particulate matter from burning coal. And even back in the 1700s, they realized this was very bad for you. Because doctors then had noticed that chimney sweeps... sweeps ha- yeah. Then doctors had noticed that chimney sweeps have much higher instances of cancer than amongst everyone, against, than compared to people in other professions. So you're telling me a sweep is not, in fact, as lucky as lucky can be? No, um, they were all riddled with cancer and going to die horrible, painful deaths. And their good luck will not rub off when they shake hands with you? No, just... just just the carcinogens their body is Weren't most with. of them, like not most, but a good chunk of them children, too, because yeah. they could fit into the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Stefan Time told us was just nothing but lies. Stefan Stephen Time was lies. But Disney it's one of the best dance numbers in the history of movies. Yes, it is. It's, so, it is almost as impressive on stage. Yeah. And then, so you put all of this together, the acid, the acid, the carbon monoxide, the cancer rates, and you... Together with a population, with a you have a population with a whole bunch of respiratory problems, who's more susceptible to illness and are in a densely populated, poorly sanitized Sydney city. People get sicker, and this didn't go unnoticed. And is part of why we had the miasma theory of disease that these bad smells would cause illnesses, and this bad air was what made you sick because they were around and they were noticing these chimney sweeps were getting sick from these fumes. People feel sick around these fumes. People who go outside the city feel better. I bet these fumes are causing diseases. And like, and that goes back to like, we like to laugh at miasma theory, but honestly, they were so close. They were, they were frustratingly close. And 
they didn't know they because knew bacteria back to, existed, but they hadn't to, put the two together yet. This to them was truth, and even to this to them was yes. factual. At no point were they lying. Mm-hmm. This was, and that's why we've gotten better about phrasing stuff in science. Like we believe this causes this. This was no miasma theory is absolutely true, and any opposing theory was shot down. Yeah, I might at some point talk about correlation versus causation yeah. because that's really important too. But then, even knowing that all of these coal fumes were bad, they continued, and it got bad. Uh, smog continued to get worse and worse. Smog would get so bad, it could asphyxiate livestock. Which, by the way, uh, the English invented the word smog for smoke fog back in the 1700s. And then South Park turned it into the smug, <laughs> which was the aura of smug that was George Clooney brought everywhere with him. Yep. Which, I have never read George Clooney as smug, have you? A little bit. Like, he can be, but mostly it's like... Yeah, George, you tell him. Well, he reads as very handsome and very wealthy, but he doesn't seem like he's all like, but I am the best. Especially when you watch him back in the, when he shows up on things in the 80s and you can tell this is like just some yeah. actor who's so excited to have a job. Yeah. Yeah. It got so bad it could asphyxiate livestock. Like, yeah. And livestock are like hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they would have weather conditions that would make the fog like smog worse and get really bad and people would die especially the children and the elderly would die and people would develop huge respiratory problems for centuries around London and in 1952 which you heard right and I said this right 1952 it got to its worst this was after World War II and they were trying to rebuild and they didn't have as much access to as clean coal as they'd used so they're doing using more lignite coal for lots of things including heating and everything so they were burning more coal than ever and it was more heavy sulfur coal that didn't burn as cleanly is charcoal the same thing as coal no charcoal is kind of like if you took a piece of wood and turned it into beef jerky so why do we call it charcoal so does it char- look like coal it looks like coal but it's it's instead of like being like natural like coal from the ground, this is just wood that we've taken all the moisture out of. So it is safe to cook over that, but it wouldn't yeah. be safe to cook over coal. It, I mean, it's safe-ish to cook over coal. It's going to taste gross. Okay, so it's safe there to cook pe- over coal in desperation once in a while. There are people that still use coal for cooking. Like for coal ovens and shit? Yeah. But not like for grilling? Not like for grilling. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm not the cook. Yeah. So then in 1952, uh, between December 5th and December 9th, they had a very high uh, low-pressure system in, L- in London, surrounded by high-pressure systems with an inversion on top of it. So it's like London was in a dome, and none of the smoke was getting out, and it just kept accumulating. It got to the point where there was practically zero visibility. Mm-hmm. Like, planes were grounded, trains collided with each other, movie theaters and theaters actually had to close because you could not see the screen in the theater. It was so bad. And this was indoors. Mm-hmm. It was epically bad. Uh, ambulance service actually had to be stopped because it was too unsafe for ambulances to drive. Mm-hmm. And a soot was accumulating on glass so quickly, you could actually wipe it off and watch it just come back. Just even inside your house, like everything was covered in soot. It was bad. Birds died. There was massive livestock die-offs. And people also died. Four people. 4,000 people died from the smog alone in those four days. That was even with their current numbers. Yeah, 4,000 people died from the smog in four days. 1,000 people a day. And then over the next few months and years, 8,000 more people died from complications from this smog. So 12,000 people died, or about one person in 1,000 died from four days of bad smog. And then hundreds of thousands had lifelong complications and had 
and had to be hospitalized over this. 25,000 people or less, depending on, or 12,000 people, depending on which source you look at, were hospitalized during the smog from the bad air. And it was so broad and so severe, we aren't really sure, even to this day, of the long-term health effects. Because it affected everybody. Like, we don't know. We just don't know. We can't know. Yeah, and that sounds like it's enough that could really, like, affect... Like, that would definitely affect in utero. Oh, yeah. It, but then, like, that's that sounds like enough that it would start to, like, change your body, like, to be passed on for generations, even if the smog is gone. Oh, yeah. This is like, this... I mean, like, the developmental effects, like, we... We just don't know because everyone was so affected by it. It's like it's hard to tell, like, if it had big developmental effects on kids or in utero effects or anything like that. Are you going to talk about Los Angeles at all? No. Because I know Los Angeles had, like, their own version of this, but I don't really know the details. It was not nearly as severe. But yeah, it's... But they actually took care of it because Mm -hmm. California, I'm not going to say they're perfect, but they at least try sometimes. Uh, The preliminary report tried to place the blame for all of these deaths on a flu outbreak. (laughs) But evidence quickly countered this claim. It was, there were some cases of flu that were exasperated by the respiratory problems, but a majority of it was just respiratory problems from the smog. Uh, Laws were passed to clean up the air. They basically were incentivizing all these people who had coal heaters to switch to uh, natural gas or electric heaters. And there were even like financial incentives for you to do so. And they're trying to get people who still have the coal heaters to burn Coke instead, which was a type of cleaner burning fuel, not like cocaine or the drink or the beverage, but Coke, which is another more different type of coal. I prefer the idea of them burning cocaine. It was just like they were giving cocaine to people and they were just running on generators and their body heat was. Well, it's like I it's like I diagnose you with a bad case of ghosts. Go do some cocaine about it. This was 1952. They weren't doing that. Yes, they were. Cocaine was still in medication. That's true. They were. No, they were. They were. They had moved on to amphetamines to treat your your lethargy and depression. Uh, The Adderall that I'm currently on was originally a weight loss drug. Ooh. It uh, has not done the trick. Do not use it for weight loss. I will say this was not enough at first because there was another less severe smog that uh, that was in 1962, almost 10 years after this one, where it got there was visibility problems and like stuff got shut down because it was so bad and people died. But over time, the coal heaters have been phased out and London is the cleanest now that it has been in centuries. I've been to London. London is beautiful. Yeah. But even though London doesn't have this severe problem as they did, the problem still isn't over. You may remember a few years ago, Beijing was Beijing was and still is plagued with crippling smogs. Yes. Uh, coal is still widely used there for cooking and heating. And there is also a lot of auto traffic in this city. Is which... that one of the places where they wore masks to begin with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not uncommon to wear masks there just because of the smog. Yeah. And but... Rather than try and fix it, the Chinese government officials have blamed perfume and hair gel for for it as recently as 2019. Jeez. And even if we step back from the worst examples of air pollution that we still have, which there is a lot of air pollution in Southeast Asia, particularly because they burn a lot of coal there in their cities for cooking and heating and just... And there's a lot of car traffic and just... Well, it's like, and we've got places here that are still coal, 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 both in terms of mining and power. Yeah. It's like, isn't is it Michigan that's one of those? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's in the Appalachians, there's still a lot of coal mining, but it's phasing out because it's more expensive, harder to transport and dirtier. Now, than I will tell gas. you, it's crazy when you go places that have historically or still currently use coal for everything and they start washing their buildings Mm-hmm. Because you'll see, like those buildings are supposed to be white, not gray or black. Yeah, but even stop. But even if we stop back from the worst ample examples of air pollution, like Beijing, it's still 
problem with global impact. It is estimated by the WHO that air quality, the bad air quality, knocks about two years on average off of the global life expectancy. So people are living two years less on average because of how because of air quality problems. Yeah, they're at the end anyway. Yeah. And uh, air quality has a bigger impact on overall health than almost any other environmental factor. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, so we're talking about like in terms of gross population, not like individual levels. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you have toxic mold in your house, that is going to be a bigger issue than any smog. Yeah. But air when quality, it comes to the world at large, so this pervasive. is way worse. Like, if you have toxic mold in your house, it might not be as bad for you because you're not in your house all the time. If you're spending time away well, from your house or at work. COVID. COVID. We just watched that forensic files, though. That yeah. guy went to work. That guy worked like 12 hour days and he's mm-hmm. now disabled. Uh, yeah. But like bad air, that's everywhere. You cannot escape it. And it's such an impact on everyone's health that it's almost inescapable. And a majority of that pollution comes from the burning of fossil fuels. So... In addition to us switching to renewable sources of power or even cleaner sources of power like natural gas, which is not great, but still better, like not only will it halt global climate change to an extent, which is going to have a huge impact on everybody's quality of life, it's also going to have a notable impact on health, saving trillions of dollars alone in medical expenses. And it's remarkable that we, when all of this talk about global warming, we never talk about the health aspects of burning fossil fuels and how very bad for us they are. So yeah, that is my TED Talk. All right. Yeah. So I guess, are you ready for questions then? I am. Well, the fact that Rome's industry was enough to raise lead levels in the air a by 10 times beyond the test? No, we never talk about that kind of shit when we talk about Rome. Yeah. Well, the fact that smog is a 2,000-year-old problem beyond the test... Yes, because we want to take the blame off ourselves. Yep. Will 12,000 people dying from smog in London alone in 1952 be on the test? Yes. And that if we fix global warming, our general health will also improve beyond the test? Yes. And that is something we're told. But that's the thing is they don't talk about why or how. They just say, this is a fact. And they're like, we... Yeah. And also, and there, it's a reasonable question of how do you prove that to us? We want to see how you can prove that. Um, and which... I just talked about coal. I didn't even talk about like gasoline or other like gasoline spills are also really bad for you because you're breathing in volatile hydrocarbons, which are basically hydrocarbons that have kind of evaporated off of gasoline mm-hmm. and they get in your lungs and they are also a known carcinogen. Well, I mean, I got sick yesterday from just not opening a window while I was cleaning out the fridge with a regular household cleaner. Yeah. It wasn't even a bleach in it. It was just like an all-purpose cleaner and I was I had my head nerd for too long. So yeah, that's uh, the history of uh, bad smells in cities. <laughs> that is one way to put it, yes. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't even know. Like I knew that the London fogs were not delicious. actually just fog because they're not just a delicious drink and it's not just, oh, London's a foggy town. It was caused by industry and pollution. Now, London is still a foggy town, but I think it is fog now, isn't it? Yeah, it's... No, there's still a lot of exhaust from cars and natural gas, but it's not nearly as much coal as there once was. I do have a vague memory because I went outside of London when I went to the UK and I have a vague memory of some of the lower places having a lot of fog. Yeah. And we see that here too. We'll see that here too, but it's it's not as bad as it was during like Victorian times or the 50s. This was in the 50s. Yeah. Like this was 
around the time our parents were born. Yeah. There oh, are- my God. It blew my mind because I realized um, like maybe a year ago that Ruby Bridges went to school after my dad was born. Wow. It blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, I think I think before my mom was born. I'm not sure. I'd have to I can't remember what year exactly that was, but I realized it was after my dad was born and that just blew my goddamn mind. Because that never came up in any conversations with my parents. But that's a whole other issue. Just that's just saying how recently this was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my little thing. That's yeah. Crazy. Oh boy. I do want to make one clarifying comment from earlier because I'm a worrier. Um Austin and I were talking about, you know, helping people learn shit. Yeah. And we said something that was a little weird, like, you know, you learn one thing and you have to learn a new thing if you learn a new thing. Um, I want to make very clear, Austin and I are extremely for trans rights. Mm -hmm. And we, it is a fact that we do work to learn more. Yes. And it is a truth that we believe that we are, that we are doing okay, but that is not necessarily Mm -hmm. a fact because we are not the ones who get to decide that. Yeah. We're, we we are trying, and that's I think the best we can say. And it would be a lie if both if either of us said we'd never fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I all the time. Like with people, even with people I know and love, like I will screw up on a pronoun. It's like, oh, oh yeah, shit, sorry. So I just wanted to clarify, like, because I, I, you know, when it's a conversation with somebody that you know really well, and you both know what you're saying, but a third party could think it was coming out as something completely yeah. different. So I just wanted to clarify that. We do believe it is our responsibility to try to learn more. We also believe that if you don't know how to use a fishing pole, you're never going to learn to fish. So when it comes to something that we know, if we show somebody how to use a fishing pole, then they can learn to fish if they so choose. And that's kind of what you're trying to say. Yes. So I just want to make sure that was clear because we didn't want to be come across as people who are assholes and think there's an excuse for not learning. Yeah, no, there's... There's no excuse. There is, there is, I think, room for empathy, but there's no excuse. Yeah, there is room for empathy when somebody has not proven that they aren't that they are choosing to not learn. Mm-hmm. When somebody is proving they are choosing to not learn, you can take away the empathy. Who gives a fuck about yeah. them? It's like, yeah, uh, like maybe like some famous children's authors on Twitter mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who wrote a. I want so badly to print off her fucking manifesto and take a red pen to it and like <laughs> mail it to her. It's like. It's like, boy, you, it's like, wow. Cite your, your editors source. worked Cite hard. your source. Cite your source. Cite your source. People say, people say a lot of things. Doesn't make it factual or even truthful. They are lying to you. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're running out of space in that notebook. We got to get you a new one. I, I've already talked about it. I've got like. You're running out of space. Wow. I am running out of space. I got this at Christmas. It's got Nicolas Cage all over the front. What are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe get a new Nicolas Cage notebook. Maybe get a different Nicolas Cage notebook. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, who did own the Lori Mansion for a while, no matter yeah. what somebody on the internet calls me a liar about. I think it's, yeah, come on. He owned it. He also owns a pyramid. I, in a I know he owned one. I don't know if he still does because he lost all that money. Yeah. I like Nicolas Cage. He's good. Like, I've very rarely heard anything bad about him. He's apparently, uh, like, the nicest guy. He's just a little... He's very... He's I hear he's he, not the scary kind of intense. He is the I am very work-focused kind of intense. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard about him being a dick. Just, like, yeah. this is what I want to do. I want to try something new. I want to I work. I want to work. I want to work. Yeah, it's like, he's a weird guy, but he's not out of the realm of just normal celebrity I am famous weirdness. And it sounds like... And he... When he is good, he is so good. And then he does movies like that. Oh, God. Which one am I thinking of? Face Off? Do not diss Face Off. Con Fiss Air? Off. Do not diss Con Air. The one where he like mo- randomly moved into the random lady's house with her kid and, and, and turned out to be a super fucking creep. 
Oh yeah, I can't remember the name of that one. But like, okay, we love our Nicolas Cage. We love we, that movie. We should like we could talk about Nicolas Cage for days. This is our Nicolas Cage fan podcast. Now we're ambushing you with Wait, it. Here's the there, preview. Is there a Nicolas Cage fan podcast? I'm sure there's a dozen. Because I bet they're all doing it wrong. I'm sure they are. <laughs> all right, so uh, we we're could, we could get Nicolas Cage on ours though, because we're famous. Uh, Taylor Swift wouldn't pay for our roof. Yes. And Donald Faison, I did pronounce his name wrong last time because I got so up in my head. I've always pronounced it right. And then I got up in my head last time. Donald Faison has not acknowledged that I followed him on Instagram before I followed Zach Braff on Instagram. I don't think we're as famous as we are in our own heads. Well, I'm, we're talking about I am. We are clearly the heroes of this narrative. I mean, we are. Everybody's the hero in their own story. But but the villain your own story. Okay. But as Welcome to Night Vale puts it, uh, death is only the end if you believe the story is about you. Ooh, cool. So where can people find us? People can find us contemplating that quote from Welcome to Night Vale. Or if they're looking online, I guess they could find us on Twitter at On the Test Pod, on Instagram at On the Test Pod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash On the Test Pod, or our amazing website, <laughs> On the where you can also find our weird thoughts on Lacey Chabert Hallmark Christmas movies. Yes, I am by no means a web designer. That website is constantly a work in progress, but I'm doing I'm doing what I can do. Um, I think if we could get one of you little website companies to sponsor us, that would make this easier on me. Or hell, even a mattress company. Uh, yeah, we have a mattress in this room with us right now, and it is the world's least comfortable mattress. So if you sell it's... the world's most comfortable mattress, we would very much appreciate yeah, having like, one. Here, I'm going to interview this mattress right now. It's like, mattress, are you comfortable? That's mattress for no. So, yeah, uh, find us on all the socials. Give us a review on iTunes. Only five stars because anything else is just mean. We are we are. Um, it is true that we are nice people. And it is a fact that having less than a five star will make me cry. We live for the opinions of people online. I mean, why? What? Why would life be worth living if not everybody liked you? <laughs> yeah. You know, we always tell people don't care what others think about you. No, yeah, no, it's, that is human that is human nature to care what other people think I about I want you. to be loved by everybody, especially the internet, because that's a person. I mean, if corporations are people, the internet is people. Whoa. We need to go talk to the internet about about its uh, opinions of us. So on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed. You were worried about us being short this week. I was not.